Hey, thanks so much for tuning into Speechy Things. Please be sure to like this video and subscribe if you want to see more. And feel free to come follow me on Instagram. That's where I spend a lot of my time. Let's do this. Today we have Allison Fors, a speech therapy resource author from California. She loves language and early development. And Allison, I know you're really big on incorporating sensory needs into therapy. Um, and you always kind of keep that in mind when you're making your resources. Mm-hmm. You also have adorable cats and some of the cutest children ever. Well, I think so. <laughs> so I'm glad you think so too. <laughs> I do. I, I like, you know, I, people like complain if they don't see your little baby girl. I know. Every I few days. Her daily. hair. Um, and I also wanted to touch on, we know each other. I was, it like hurts my heart to say you're from California, which I know is true, but <laughs> I used to have you here in Texas. I miss you. I know. I'm back in my home state, which that was our goal, but Texas was also fun while it lasted. That's nice. I know that took a lot for you to say. I know you <laughs> no, <laughs> I hate Texas. It's just, you know, California's home. I know. I'm happy for you, I guess. I just miss you. It was always fun meeting it's up. It's sad that we can't see each other in person. I know, especially now. With, ugh. Okay. Back to your children. Mm-hmm especially your baby girl. So we're going to talk a little bit about her today. Do you mind telling us a little bit about your precious daughter, her diagnosis, and kind of like, you know, what went down the first few weeks, months of her life? Yeah. Well, months. She was in the hospital for seven weeks. Um, So yeah, she was born with micronathia, which is a recessed jaw. Um, It was severe, so she actually couldn't breathe on her own couldn't form a swallow so she couldn't eat on her own um she was born with a syndrome called stickler syndrome and that causes pure bond sequence which pe- that's like a term people are more commonly like known it's more mm-hmm. commonly known um so that's the recess jaw sometimes cleft palate so she has a soft and hard cleft palate um so yeah, like with that recess jaw, everything gets pushed back. So basically mm-hmm. her airway was like so tiny and then the tongue falls back too. So she just couldn't breathe. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's her diagnosis, Stickler syndrome. Mm-hmm. She was in the hospital because, well, they were hoping she'd be able to breathe on her own eventually. It didn't work out. So at four weeks, she had a surgery called jaw distraction surgery and that they cut the bone, the lower jaw bone vertically on both sides, insert some metal plates, and then there are screws that stick out at the end, um, like the back of the jaw, like where, kind of where the ears are. Mm-hmm. Then every day we turn them and that separates the plates and eventually the bone fills in. So it lengthens the jaw okay. about, I want to say like uh, four days after surgery, I think she was able to breathe on her own for the first time ever. So, I mean, it's an amazing, amazing surgery. What it can do, it's super intense. That whole four days, she was under extreme anesthesia. We couldn't hold her. She was intubated. But then after that time period, uh, she could breathe on her own. And then that's when we introduced the bottle. We introduced a bottle at about six weeks. Mm -hmm. And then she was out of the NICU by seven weeks. So we slowly built her up with feeding, 
She had to learn how to feed. She had never had anything in her mouth before besides tubes. So it was kind of a process getting her to take full amounts of bottles and she's doing great. I mean, you see pictures of her. She's a little chunker. I swear she's the chunkiest cleft baby in the world. I don't know how because she still doesn't eat that much. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know how you're so chunky, but good job. (laughs) Remember after her surgery, you know, her little cheeks were so swollen, but they're swollen again, but they're just so delicious. Now with just some fat. I know. Yeah. No, she's, she's doing really well. Yeah. Well, I know just from like, you shared so much on your Instagram and obviously that, that was your whole life for those seven weeks. How could, Mm -hmm. how could you focus on anything else possibly? So you shared a lot of it on your Instagram and like, just as a friend messaging you and things like, I was just so impressed with, I mean, you were like mama bear, you dove in and you learned everything you could about this brand new situation about cleft. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to list all the things cause I feel like I'll mess it up, but like, I could not possibly keep up with you and you did amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I kind of surprised myself cause I'm not very aggressive, but I was like, researching I was like that mom you know like I was the mom that like you don't want because they're so annoying (laughs) but you like it's just like instinct mode like I need to learn about this it's so uncommon that the nurses like most of the nurses had never even like heard or seen this before they've never taken care of a baby like this before it just does not instill confidence you feel like you're teaching everyone I'm like showing up to the hospital with research that I've printed out I was like the crazy mom and I've never been like that before, but this was also such a unique, different situation. And I think that just comes out as, as a parent, you're like, I need, first of all, I need to learn everything. And obviously like, like I did have some trust issues to be honest with some of the nurses and things where just, you know, what? I'm kind of still like that. I still like Google everything, you know? <laughs> Well, but that I'll, I was going to save this for the end, but I feel like this touches on it so well. Like, I feel like it's so easy for people in general. And even, even those of us who work in the medical field or medical adjacent or whatever you want to, you know, depends on what mm-hmm. setting you're in, Yeah, but it's easy to forget that doctors and nurses and therapists are humans and they can't possibly be an expert in everything. And here you have a situation where it's something is so rare, you know? So I know as a therapist, like I often appreciate it whenever somebody comes and, and brings something to me and questions me a little bit, because I mean, I need to be on my A game and we can't all be on 100% all the time. So I wanted to talk a little bit about there was one example I remember you sharing about, and I don't remember if you included it in this awesome blog post you wrote. I'll have to figure out how to link that for people about your experience of being in the NICU. This is like a 10 minute question. Hold on. I'm getting to it. Sorry. (laughs) But there was a particular time with her breathing that you were like, no, this isn't right. And you advocated. I'd love for you to tell us about that. Yeah. So that is in the blog post. I don't think I ever shared it on Instagram because I don't think I could talk about it. It's like one of those things where like at the time I'm like, I can't even share that. Um, cause I would just like lose it on Instagram and no one wants to see that. But yeah, there was one day. So her breathing was the biggest thing. And that's like the scariest thing as a parent and as a nurse, because 
airway, like critical airway is number one scary thing, right? Um, So she had a nasal trumpet to breathe, which is basically a little plastic tube that goes in through the nose. And then the tube goes back behind the tongue into the throat. Mm -hmm. So it opens up the airway. Her tongue was falling back and sealing against the back of her uh, throat. So it just opened up enough of an airway for her to breathe. The problem, I mean, so obviously, like, that's amazing that they could use that. But the problem with it is it would get occluded from secretions, things like that. Um, And so we were constantly suctioning it. And there was one day in the NICU when I showed up and she just wasn't breathing well, which wasn't super uncommon in the beginning. We would reposition her. We would suction the nasal trumpet and it would usually fix. Um, But it wasn't fixing that day. She kept deciding like her oxygen levels would drop. The monitors would go off. Sometimes she would turn blue. She's just struggling to breathe. I would reposition her. She'd be okay for like a minute. And then like she'd de-stat again. Um, and it's just, yeah, you could see her just struggling, struggling, struggling to breathe. And so I told the nurse, I was, you know, we were suctioning her, wasn't working, repositioning, wasn't working. Like everything wasn't working, the normal tricks. So I told the nurse, like, I think we need to change the trumpet. Um, which actually is very simple you take it out and you put the other one. It takes like two seconds. Okay. But like, it's such a foreign thing. Like these nurses haven't seen it before. I would say 90% of these nurses have never seen one before Mm -hmm. Um, where they're just like, no, like, I think she's fine. The suction, there's a little catheter suction. She's like, it's coming back clean. It's not occluded. Um, And I kept explaining to her, look, the last one that got occluded, the suction would come out clean. Like it was just poking through the occlusion. So I like, that's not really a good gauge. Anyway, this like nurse was like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm gonna have to call the doctor. Like, I think she's fine. I'm like, no, she's not, she's not fine. Like how, how can you think she's fine? And the nurse just like, didn't want to call the doctor. So the break nurse finally comes on. This is probably like 30 minutes later after mm-hmm. I show up and I tell the break nurse, like, can you please call the doctor? She's not breathing. And then like the break nurse is trying everything, the suctioning and repositioning. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we've done this like a hundred times. <laughs> call a doctor. <laughs> I know, exactly. And yeah. like, they don't want to, like, they don't want to, they, they don't want to bother the doctor. You know, like he's busy. It's just, but at the same time, like this is exactly a situation we need to call a doctor in, yeah. you know? So the break nurse calls a doctor um, and the doctor comes in and he does the same thing. Oh, let's reposition her. Let's suction her. Oh, everything's fine. The suction's coming back clean. And I'm like, dude, I'm so tired of people telling me this. Like, yeah. I don't like, there's no other explanation for why she's struggling to breathe. Um, and you could tell he was really torn about it. And so he's like, okay, like I finally convinced him that we should change it. And he goes, okay, but I don't feel comfortable changing it. So I'm going to call ENT. And I'm like, at this point, I had let me do it. <laughs> no, seriously. I was like, I will do it. I had everything out. I had like the nasal trumpet, with, like the correct size out. I'd like gone in. Like, I know where it is. I got it. I got out like the water soluble lubricant that's supposed to go on it. I like got out the tape that they're supposed to use to put it in and I like cut it out. Yeah. I'm that mom. Okay. So I like everything laid out and he's like, oh, and he's like reading the packaging of the nasal trumpet. Oh, it's like the 14. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) He just, you can tell he was so uncomfortable with it. And they never see it, I guess. Right. Like they just, it's just super uncommon. Like I, either he had never changed one before or it had been so long where he was just like uncomfortable with it. Yeah. And I told him like ENT does not want to come do this. Okay. Mm -hmm. They've told you guys to just change it. 
Um, and he's like looking in the notes at the frequency of how often you're supposed to change it. I'm like, look, ENT, like I had to talk to ENT about this so many times. And they're like, just tell the doctor to change it. Mm-hmm. So I knew what ENT was going to say. And they were going to say, just change it. So he finally hears back from ENT and they're telling him, yeah, go ahead. Sure. If you want to change it, change it. Um, so this is like hours into me showing up and like begging for them to change this. And the doctor finally did it. And it was this huge deal. And he wanted like all these nurses there takes two seconds and it, and it was occluded. He took it out and it was occluded and you could see the little hole at the end where the catheter was poking through. So it was coming back clean and I felt so validated, but it was like also so annoying, you know, or it's just like, yes, like things didn't necessarily point to like that being the issue. So I can see why they weren't like jumping on that to do it, but it's like, that was like in my mind, like that was the only possible thing that was wrong. You know, and the I think one of the reasons I love that so much is the longer I'm a therapist, the more I realize how valuable my parents are as a part of the team. Because, like, yeah, I have all this theoretical knowledge, I have lots of experience, but like they know their child, and you knew just something, you know, I don't know if it's instinct or what, I mean, well, for you, definitely, because, yeah, you know, it's just that parental, like, intuition, I think yeah. there is something to be said for that, and Absolutely. I'm not saying you should, like, listen to the parent every time, and they know it's best, like, as a professional, like, you have so much knowledge in this area, but at the same time, they know their kid. parents need to be heard, and they know their kid, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think, I think that's such, like, I have goosebumps right now, that's such a valuable a valuable part yeah. of any team. I think when a professional can like take note of that, like, okay, parents, like their opinion deserves a spot to take. Like that shows like the sign of like a really seasoned, like confident yes. professional that yes. they can take a step back and look at the whole picture versus just like, this is my area of expertise. Like I know what to do in this situation. And I'll add this too. Cause I know like as a clinical fellow, I would feel so nervous to admit when I didn't know something, but the older I got, the more comfortable I got saying, you know, I'm going to have to look into that. And then even as a patient myself, like I don't have children yet, but whenever a doctor is just honest with me and they let me know what they do and don't know, it helps me trust what they do know. Cause I know they'll be honest when they don't, you know, I mean, right. yeah. I think it's just so valuable. And I think it's interesting too, just like how many people were on your daughter's team, just in the hospital, Mm -hmm. like coordinating that care, you know, like you've talked to the ENT a million times, but that doctor may not have seen him since, I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. a couple months ago. Like, I don't think that doctor had ever talked to ENT before. Like their doctors are always changing. The nurses are always changing. Yeah. Yeah. So you were the coordinator of care and you were the ultimate advocate for your daughter in that moment. And I think that's important for us to remember too. Like there's no one that's going to advocate for these kids better than their parents. Mm-hmm. And that's that we need to leave room for that. Yeah. So I have two more things I kind of want to ask you okay. and I'm just going to throw them both out there and see what, I don't know. <laughs> What's <this? laughs> your fancy. Okay. So, I mean, maybe we'll wrap up with like the biggest takeaway you could give to, to, parents are really therapists, like as you're, as a, from a perspective of a parent in that situation, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And then any like tips you have to help therapists in these situations, like how to be, 
uh, more helpful to parents, I guess. And it doesn't have to be Nikki. Yeah. I mean, all of this, we, we can apply these lessons we're learning from Allison to any setting. To every setting. Yeah. Like obviously I'm talking in terms of the NICU in, in that particular situation, right. but I think it applies across the board, whether you're in schools dealing with families or if you are like private practice or even working with, um, yeah, like, like older patients who are on a modified diet or any, you know, like, like anything, just communication with families or the patient themselves. Um, so like, so like my tips for, for inter- interacting with families type of thing. Yeah. I, so in talking about how many people were caring for my daughter, something that I'm usually really good with names and faces. Like I remember people and I already have a baseline for understanding the role of like the SLP and the OT and the PT and like who these people are. I still struggle to remember who everyone was just because there were so many faces. There were so many people coming in and out. Um, and I, so I was there all day, every day. Yeah. Most parents in the NICU are not. So I was actually able to see most people. Um, but I just sometimes had a hard time keeping them straight. So one tip is to just every time you see a family member or the patient themselves, introduce yourself. Even if you've done it 10 times before, just, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm the whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciated it when they just showed me their ID because I'm a visual learner. Like it was easier to remember oh. and to process that quicker. Just like, you know, um, and I guess explaining like their role in what, like why they're there and their role in getting your, you know, like my daughter discharged or whatever it is, like whatever setting you're in. I think that's really important. And it kind of seems obvious, like, you know what you're there for, but the family might not know the role of an SLP. Like who's, what is a speech therapist? Absolutely. And think about how many people don't understand what we do. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. And even, well, I lost it. it I feel like I had such a good point to make, but I'm so focused (laughs) on what you were saying. (laughs) Oh, 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 I remember. Okay. (laughs) They can edit this out or leave it. (laughs) What I was going to say is, goals. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I feel like parents don't realize, like, you know, if I inherit a kid from another therapist or another clinic or wherever, and I'm like, okay, so what goals have you guys been working on? They're like, they can't answer. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like your point, that's how we can apply it to every setting. If nothing else is, Mm -hmm. they might remember your name and maybe, you know, they brought their kid to you for speech. They're not in an emergency situation like you in the NICU, but just reminding them what you're working on and what you're focused on. Because I mean, you obviously were like in such a stressful situation for months and I'm sure like days ran together and it was just crazy. You have your son at home, but even, even parents who are bringing their kid to work on Phonology. I mean, they have so many other things going on in their life. Just help everyone stay on track mm. and remember what they're there for. And it's a foreign concept. Like, what's phonology? Why, you know, like right. explaining the goal, like these are the goals we're working on. We're, you know, and, and, and repeating it. Like, that's my other tip is like repeat stuff all the time because like in my situation, this was probably the most frustrating thing for me was I could not, 
I had a really difficult time following conversations and remembering information and thinking up good answers in the moment. Like my brain was just not functioning normally. Do you mean thinking of good questions in the moment? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you, said, <laughs> you said thinking of good answers. I just wanted to make oh. sure. No questions. Like thinking of what I wanted to ask them, you know, like I would think of questions after the fact, like after they left. That's hard. My my brain just was like not working. And so think of how much you had to process. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there's a lot to process. I was so emotionally, mentally, physically drained. Someone's telling you something's wrong with your baby. It's just like a lot. It's just very, it's just very difficult to like think through what they're saying, especially when there's medical terminology involved and they're asking you to make, to sit like medical decisions and sign consent forms. Like my first day in the NICU after, like I came home, she was there. And then at my first day back, they had me signing so many consent forms. And I'm like, I do, I legit do not know what this is for. Like, I don't know what a picky line is. Now I do. But like at that time, I'm like, when would she need this? Like, cause they couldn't get an IV in her. Um, so there was just like so many, I feel like a doctor now. Okay. Like, but like in the beginning I didn't, and my husband is a doctor. Okay. So that actually helped a lot. Him having the medical background. Um, he's actually a doctor for the, it's a big healthcare system. He's the doctor for like where my daughter was at, where I delivered that hospital. Right. So he could actually communicate with these people. Like back end like no like we actually had like a significant leg up to be honest um so he understood stuff but I was the one there most of the time and it was really overwhelming all the medical terminology so when communicating with families I'd say just breaking like talk slow repeat everything like beat it like beating it a dead horse to yourself but for them it's then like probably just starting to make sense you know right, <laughs> like, right. and then seeing if they have questions, like giving them time to ask questions. Cause it's just hard. It's hard to wrap your head around when you're hearing this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. it's all foreign. Like you don't know what this stuff is. And so, it's your baby. And it's your baby. Yeah. It just adds a whole other crazy element when it's, if I was in a professional setting, I remember the thing, if I'm, if I was in a professional setting here, I could follow this conversation. Right. But since it's my baby, I'm having a really hard time processing this information. Like there's so much just that emotional aspect to it, you know? Yeah. Well, do you have any like final parting thoughts for anyone? I appreciate you so much for sharing this. I know this is, I mean, you have that blog post again, that's amazing. Yes. And you can find it on alisonfors.com. Yeah. And I, that's the purpose of the blog post is kind is just giving, um, service providers, my insights, like as a parent as to what I would do differently, you know, like just things you wouldn't think of, like how I would be interacting with families. But that's so valuable. That's so yeah. valuable for us to. Yeah. And I, like, I consider myself a pretty empathetic person. And like, I try to see things from a parent perspective, but going through this situation just made me, I mean, there's definitely, it was like a whole other light on that, you know, yeah. like the, like the me not being able to follow conversations. I've never thought about that before where it's harder yeah, a parent, like their kid might've just gotten an autism diagnosis and they are having a really hard time, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. They're like, don't know. They don't know what this means. They, there's all of a sudden thrown into all these therapies. Like, you need to be really gentle with these parents. You need to be so kind and break things down for them. 
give them support, mm-hmm. feel like you want to work with their child, like that their child is not a burden or an annoyance to you because can I'll tell you how many Nikki moms told me that like they did not feel welcome. Um, and they just felt like they annoyed the nurses by being there. And I felt that with some nurses too. And it's so sad. Like, this is my baby. I want to be here, but I feel in the way I feel like I'm annoying them by asking questions or asking for certain things. Um, so yeah, just like that, just be so, so gentle to parents. I remember reading that on your blog post too, which I like, I I was, I, (laughs) I don't want to brag, but I strongly encouraged Allison to write that blog post. Yes. No, you did. You're the reason I wrote it because I was sharing all this stuff on Instagram. You're like, you need to make this a blog post. Absolutely. Because it's so (laughs) valuable. But I just remember you saying, and then I lost it again. (laughs) Allison. (laughs) I can't do this pregnant. This is too much for my brain. Nancy brain's a real thing. <laughs> it really it's is. Real. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny to me. <laughs> you said something great on that blog post. So everyone just needs to go read your blog post. I can't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of points in there. So many good points in there. Yeah. Oh, involve! I got it. <laughs> Involving the parent in their care. Oh, yes. That is the point you made. And, and I feel like you just touched on that. But I mean, in your situation, that's so valuable because then, you know, like that's your baby girl and you just, mm-hmm. just gave birth and you can't even do the things you want to do. So you can't give her a bath. Yeah. You, can't, you know, yeah. all the little things. And so involving you is so important. And then think about just for, you know, teaching parents how to do it bringing it back around to other settings as well, because not everyone's in a NICU, but teaching parents how to be involved in their child's care and how much that means for carryover and generalization and how empowering that can be to them. And say you're working with ECI, how vital that is. And the research tells us that really for every, every age group. Yeah. And there's greater outcomes. And yep. yep. Uh, yes. Well, do you have any parting thoughts? Um, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I could talk about this forever. So I know, I know. And I I feel like the blog post is a good place to go to like, guess, get more, more thoughts on this subject of just diving into different aspects, but I'm so, okay. I, I will say this, like, I'm so grateful to all of the service, like seriously, like all the doctors and nurses, the SLPs, the OT, the dietitian, lactation nurse, like all these people who are actually trained and knowledgeable in these, all these areas that she needed help in, because I can't know it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to make it sound like we had poor care or like anything like that. Right. We had excellent care and I am so grateful to all of the people who are involved in getting her to the point where she could come home and be yeah. independent. Like people, like I said, my husband's a doctor, like knowing how much schooling he's been through, you know, and like, I think about those ENTs and like how much schooling and time they put into their job. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just amazing. So absolutely. I know people feel that way about SLPs too, you know? Absolutely. Just, they do. Yeah. It's, absolutely. it's amazing that like the impact that SLPs and these other providers have on people's lives. And you know what, regardless of amount of experience, whenever Whenever a parent can feel that you really care, I mean, that means 
everything. That means more than that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ah, well, Allison, it was so good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. <laughs> I know, I miss you. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate your time and for you sharing this really emotional experience you went through with your baby girl. Of course. I'm glad that it can, I don't know. I like, I want to help other families and parents going through similar things. Yeah. And I wanted to help SLPs. I just, I hope it just gives a different perspective on things. I think it definitely does. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I guess I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Again, check out Allison at allisonforce.com for that blog post. It's easy to find. Um, you could probably keyword search. Just Nikio. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's also on Instagram at uh, speech.allisonforce. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.